0: Hello and welcome back to the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valene Cahorn and Catherine (laughs) Lossbeach.
1: Listeners, welcome back to this week's episode. Um, We are officially in March, which is just surreal to me, Um, probably because there's still snow on the ground. But that's another another conversation for another day. Um, And... Uh, as we, as we sit here reflecting on the last five, five weeks, we're kind of going to just do a Catherine and Valine episode this week. Um, but we've, we've loved the feedback we've gotten on the ag labor and we want to hear from you some more. Like if you didn't make it through all five, go back and look through all five or listen, I guess you can look at them too, but you should listen (laughs) to them and hit play, um, and and give us some feedback. what did you like, what you didn't like, um, and what's something you're chewing on? Because I think there was some, some uncomfortable conversations that were had over there. Is that how you would say it, Catherine?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think, I think that there were uncomfortable truths laid out there and um, truths that people don't want to hear. You know, you and I, we're, we're actually getting traction on Twitter, <laughs> which is unusual for us. Um, but we, you know, we say immigrant labor and people perk their ears up, but we're getting traction on Twitter and mostly it's people saying, oh, that's not true. That can't be the way. And, you know, we we've just been through this series and we have real experience from real people who are out there doing this and they're saying uncomfortable truths that no one wants to hear. The politicians don't want to hear people who are, you know, who maybe don't agree with immigrant or with with immigration don't want to hear. But they are the facts. And something that you and I talk about all the time is that i uh, the facts get lost in the noise people mistake their opinions for facts and um you know i think that that's caused a lot of the the strife that we have in our society today but go back to your point yes i think that there were uncomfortable conversations and uncomfortable truths laid out in that series um but again i think that that's what's gotten us i mean that's what's given the series um kind of the bump that it's had above above a lot of our other content
1: yeah no and it gives it gives something to chew on because it's you know on the tail end of, um, if you listen to Rick nearabouts, um, episode, and then coming back on the round table where everybody, we talked about the, um, restricted driver's license. And I did, was able to listen in on that committee hearing and, and it made it to the, um, for without a recommendation. So it's still alive. It's still going forward, but people are sure chewing on this concept and they're sure chewing on, on that we have a problem and how do we solve it? And so I think it, if anything, it's, it's bringing to light the need for conversation around um, ag labor, immigrant labor, um, whatever industry you're in and, and how do we, how do we come to a solution for our communities, our States, because the federal government's not going to do it anytime soon.
0: <laughs> 100%. You're right. I mean, that's, that's what we got out of those episodes. Um, it's got to start with us, start with, start with local and state. Um, you know what they say, <laughs> if, if uh, you have a problem, you can't wait on somebody else to fix it. Yep. So because um, of our Ag Labor series, in my opinion, and some stellar uh, social media management by Valine, our listenership, um, our our followers and everything have grown um, quite a lot in the last month. And since we have new faces around here, we thought that it might be kind of fun to do some reintroductions of ourselves. So this week we are starting with Valine. <laughs> um, so we're gonna make her blush a little and get her to talk about herself. <laughs> so um I guess just a quick background, Valley and I met in 2017 when I started working at the company she was working for, and she decided that I needed um help. And so she took me under her wig. <laughs> and from there, a beautiful friendship blossomed and all of our almost daily agriculture rants have turned into millennial ag and here we are so we started millennial ag in 2019 here we are almost four years later holy crap No, four four years later <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's well to think that it was pre-covid mm-hmm. and that covid started in 2020 right like i just it's it's kind of surreal how fast
0: things have have really taken off yeah like you say here we are in march and just yesterday weren't we talking about our goals for the year <laughs> yeah, which I still haven't written
1: down. So no. for that
0: accountability.
1: And I am the gold queen. Like I'm usually like Johnny on the spot with that one, but not this year.
0: <laughs> well, anyway. Um, okay, so Val, give us a quick overview of yourself. Tell us about you and what you do, um, and then we'll we'll dive into a couple other things. Cool. Well.
1: Who I am and what I do. I do a lot of things and I'm never <laughs> content with just being in one place at one time. Um, I, I grew up, um, in Southern Idaho on a, I was, I'm, I'm fifth generation on the farm and ranch. There is sixth generation, um, with my cousins cause the generation gets a little skewed, um, and did primarily beef cattle, um, and then a few different row crops, alfalfa, corn, occasionally some some potatoes um and we we focus mostly on the cows and um a lot of the farm ground was um custom harvested my dad um and parents aren't necessarily farmers but they they utilize the cover crops and stuff for grazing and then um the alfalfa and stuff for, for hay, if needed, or sell it to the neighboring dairies. So grew up, grew up in ag, have a strong passion for agriculture, um, and went, um, to CSU and I, I'm a nerd. I, I will classify myself as a nerd, um, and, and enjoyed math. So I figured I'd give, give engineering a shot. Um, so CSU didn't have an ag engineering and, and most, schools. And I, please listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but the ag engineering degree is kind of dying out. And there's, there's a few reasons for that, but it's kind of, kind of sad. Um, and so I took, um, civil engineering did a concentration in soil and water and was one of the last ones to get that concentration. Cause that was also fading, fading out. Um, and I couldn't get away from ag. So I decided that I would make poop flow downhill and design dairies and feedlots. And here we are, (laughs) um, how many ever years later, and I'm still working on figuring out how to make shit flow downhill. So, um, and in my, and then I just got married. I'm just rambling. Um, (laughs) and then this, this summer, I guess, when did I move back? That was 2021. Has it been two years since I left Colorado? Um, Left Colorado, I wouldn't say left Colorado. I moved from Colorado. A piece of my heart will always be in Colorado. Um, and helped open up the new branch for ag professionals. Um, where I'd been employed with them for six years prior to to moving back. Um, and then I got married. Catherine was my maid, one of my maids of honor. Her and Natalie. Um, and and here I am. My husband farms and ranches, and so been been trying to, um, balance my, my day job with, with the cows and, um, getting back into it again, you know, and actually having some, some boots on the ground, hands in hands in the operation, and just trying to ask a lot of questions because it's, even though you grow up in it and you study it, the day-to-day operations, um, and actions are different from facility to facility and management styles are different and so it's it's been a very humbling spring getting back into into cows and and the operation um but it's been it's been a blast and it's I sure find a lot of peace when I'm out there with the babies and the
0: cows most of the time (laughs) (laughs) right especially during calving season where it is not peaceful at all (laughs) yep So Val, that's, that's what you do day to day. Um, And you do a lot. I mean, I always say ever since I've known you, you go 127% all day, every day, and then you do it again the next day and then you decide you're going to run a half marathon and then you're going to play basketball at night. Then you're going to sit on this board and you're going to sit on that board. And oh, by the way, you're going to go visit your family and then you're going to go skiing. I mean, you, you know how to live life to the fullest. And that is one of my favorite things about you. Um, And also like you go, 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 but in there, you know, you, you have always found time like to sit down with me with a glass of whiskey or a glass of wine and shoot the shit and plot things and come up with crazy ideas like millennial ag and just um you know you're a pretty cool well-rounded person and um I'm lucky to have you in my life but I think millennial ag is especially lucky to have you to uh balance out whatever whatever I have going on here.
1: (laughs) I would say we're we're the yin to the yang and most of the time and I think it's it's really nice to have a partner to do something like this with because it's like when when one life is crazy the other life is crazy but maybe not as crazy and so we can you know push and pull a little bit in different directions to try to make make things roll which is which is really really nice and then it makes it fun because then we get social time and intentional connection time too you know that I I don't know We would get, but I don't know if it'd be as intentional as, as it is right now because of, because of millennial ag.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you and I are best friends and and we love each other, but being in two different states and, you know, we don't, we no longer work for the same company. It's, it's a little more challenging to, to get together and slow down enough to be like, okay, we have these two hours. We're shutting everything else out. Let's let's talk about this. But I do miss the days of you coming over to my house and we'd sit in the office with chips and guac and just do some plotting for millennial Lag. <laughs> break out the whiteboard and yep. yep. those, were, those were good times, but we'll make them happen every once in a while again too. Oh, absolutely. Well that's that's like Val in a nutshell. And there's well, Val's more like a like an onion. <laughs>
1: I have layers. Of
0: layers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Some might be a little
0: sweet and some might be a little spicy, I guess. Well, it's okay. Just meaning, like listeners, you got like you got surface level val. And surface level Val is not to say that she's shallow. Um, not at all. But that's that's what you see on the outside. And there's many, many more things on the inside that just keep going and getting better and getting deeper and and she's pretty awesome. So you know, at some point in time, if you ever come across her, you should go shake her hand because she's pretty cool. But I'm curious now, Val, to move a little farther into the episode. Um, You were talking about the fact that you've been humbled this spring, diving back into some production ag, getting your hands dirty, getting back into the physicality of, I don't know if you're bucking bales, but pulling calves and moving calves and trying to outrun angry mamas, I'm sure. Um, I guess, tell us a little bit more about like what you're currently experiencing humility in, and then maybe, maybe how else you see it across agriculture as a whole.
1: Well, I think, and it's just like, it's just like anything we do. And I, I always use the example of like when you're a kid, you think your parent ha- parents have it all together and everything's, you know, perfect and and ideal until you become an adult. And I have, I'm not, I don't have kids yet, um, but now that I am an adult, which is still crazy to think of, um, (laughs) I'm like, oh, they really didn't have it all together, but they, the way the surface level has everything and the way you view somebody or a mentor or a guide or a parent, um, you view them kind of on a pedestal. And so I think, you know, that's the way I, I viewed ag and I was know some of the ag producers too and you don't you don't realize what the day-to-day operations truly are like and i think social media is changing that a little bit which is nice um but for example i'll tell a funny story because everybody can now laugh at it and all the family members have been well aware of my um (laughs) blondness but there was um a meeting and finished up early and so I called John and that's, that's my one thing I try to do every day is I call him when I get off work and say, where are you? Do you need me? Whatever. And if not, then I go home and cook dinner or I continue on with my day-to-day operations, but trying to put him and the operation in this busy season priority. Um, when I get off work is, is something I've really had to shift mind and pretty much everybody around me knows that anything can change because of cows. Um, and once you're an ag, you, you understand that. Um, and I haven't had to cash in on it, knock on wood, um, too, too much lately. Um, but it's always that caveat. So anyway, I finished up with a meeting and he goes, well, I have to, I have to feed. Do you want to come drive the truck for me? I'm Like, sure. You know, I, I need some fresh air and would love to see and, and everything. So I headed out there and we drove and one set of cows looked great. And we, his mom cooked us dinner, which was great as well. And then there was a there was a calf that was just born, ended up on the wrong side of the fence. So we went out there and tried to get him away from the fence and get him to suck. And the cow took off with the calf. And so we could, we watched from the house and then another mama came and knocked the calf and it was laying there and we're like, we better bring it in. It's kind of getting chilly. It's dark out. Um, just to make sure it gets its colostrum and nutrients because is most, um, cattle owners, whether dairy or beef, is the most important um, meal that calf will ever have in its life. And if it misses it, it will struggle the rest of its life. Um, and so we head out in the side by side, we've got our crazy border collie, which he's not always crazy, but when cows are involved, he's crazy. And so we get, we get out there and he's calf's kind of up and down and the cows being stupid as cows do. And so they throw the calf in the back of the side by side and John takes off after the cow says, I'll bring the cow in. You drive. Well, the cow wasn't following the calf and blah, blah, blah. And it was dark out. And so he goes, I finally got the light to him because he didn't take the light with him. And so it was just this cluster. (laughs) And so I finally found him, gave him the spotlight and then Midas and I were taking the calf. Well, I did not tie the calf down and he was in the back at the side by side. And so I'm going really slow and I get out and check. He's still there. Go really slow. I'm like, this will be fine. Well, I hit a bump and I don't realize that the poor baby falls out. (laughs) And so, and then I just, I'm like, I'm almost there. So then I go to the barn. I get there. There's no baby. I have physically lost this baby. And (laughs) This is like one of the first nights I'm like helping with shenanigans on the farm. And, and I'm like, my in-laws are, are going to fire me. Like I'm done. I'm never, I physically lost a baby. So I'm like, keep it together, keep it together. So then I drive out there. I'm like, I can find this and I can lift him in there. like, he's only probably 70 pounds. I can't find him, Catherine, anywhere. <laughs> like, it's dark outside. And I'm like, did I run over him? Is he dead? Did somebody eat him? Like, where is he? And the whole time, Midas is like over my lap, back and forth. My phone's flying everywhere. And I'm, and John's chasing the cow, yeah, all across. So I take a deep breath and I go help put the cow in. And then I look at his dad and go, I've lost the baby. <laughs> I physically lost the baby. He could be dead. He could be alive. He could be somewhere else. And, <laughs> And luckily, my father-in-law has lost a baby out of the back side by side before because he takes a deep breath and goes, okay, we'll go find him. And we go find him. And he's curled up under the tree. So he was safe. Everybody's fine. It, but yeah, no, I was like, there's nothing like eating humble pie, telling somebody you have physically lost a baby. <laughs>
0: Especially to your in-laws.
1: <laughs> yeah. And they think I'm, uh, I promise I have some experience, but, you know, cows are just humbling, just humbling. And so it's, it's now the ongoing family joke. And I will probably from now on, uh, unless they are like severely sick and I know they're laying down, I will probably find a pigging string or twine or something and tie their legs together because I really don't want that
0: feeling again of showing up without a baby, (laughs) helene is making this rather a pattern you guys we can't ask her back for calving next season
1: <laughs> Good gravy and luckily it's all like close to the house so it wasn't like <clears throat> but it was just like the door had like swung open and broken something like it was just like one little thing after another that night and it just yeah anyway very humbling again i grew up like have i would say i have 10 to 15 years of hands-on experience with cattle between my childhood and working at the feed yard. But it's been eight years since I've been back in, in production. And, and it's amazing. Again, like I said, different operation, different facility setup, and, and being back in, back in it. And, and just having the confidence in yourself to know, know what to do, I think is, is hard. Um, because I think, I think every producer could make the same decision or make a different decision and it it could end up 10 ways to Sunday. Um, and no, you know, and it's, you just sometimes have to make a decision and go with it, but it's, yeah, it's
0: very humbling. (laughs) Well, and like you say, I mean, any, any old rancher or old dairyman or something, they could have the same thing happen to them, you know, bounce a calf out of the side of a the side of a uh, side by side, or you know, they get charged by a mama, or you know, get caught between the gate and the fence and get slammed. I mean, it doesn't matter how much experience you have. I mean, yeah, if you have more experience, you're less likely to have those things happen, but they just happen. It's agriculture, right? It's unpredictable.
1: Well, and that's how I think Baxter Black made all his money. You know, was uh, making, you know, writing real life experiences he he experienced in the vet world and through his own operations and making, making poems and comedy out of it.
0: Yeah. Finding the humor in it. Like you say, you know, I often, you know, say that we need to give ourselves grace or look for the joy in life. And those are both good things to do, but finding humor in it too is <laughs> it's an important thing too. So. And yeah. I f-
1: find too, that if people can, if one, if you can make fun of yourself, but then if Others can kind of poke fun at you in a, in a nice way, but it shows they like you, you know? And so it's like, okay, if the in-laws are now poking fun at me, um, I'm probably, probably back in decent graces and <laughs> it was no big deal and all that fun stuff, but it's, yeah, it's definitely humbling.
0: <laughs> no, no, I mean, when there's cows involved, it is humbling. They can run faster. Unfortunately, sometimes they can outsmart you. (laughs) Well, and I, and
1: your, um, your frustration and anger can sometimes get the best of you with them because they don't, um, they don't communicate. They're on the bottom of our food chain. If that tells you how intelligent they are. Um, and we take, we want to take really good pride in, in taking care of them, but sometimes frustration and and emotion gets the best of situations and and it just yeah it it can humble it can humble anybody
0: sure can it absolutely can so that's that's sort of what you're experiencing right now I'm curious tell our listeners and I guess you can relate it to millennial ag but like well, no. Let's relate it to millennial ag. That's where we're at. we place. <laughs> both ways. Whatever. Um, what, what makes you mad in agriculture, and what, you know, what drives the passion to change? Whatever it is you want to change, what makes you mad, and what are you mad about that makes you want to do millennial ag or be involved in ag? Um. So, so I'm
1: gonna start. So, I want to be in ag because I, well, I. I grew up, it's in my blood, blah, 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 the cliche terminology um, that you hear. Um, But I love, I love movement. I love physical work and I love seeing, seeing growth. So, so watching a calf grow to, to a state for process, um, watching a crop grow and providing, providing something to, to the world that is needed. You know, there's beef and, and crops and, everything's good. And agriculture in general is always going to be needed. So cliche answer there. Um, But I think what makes me want to do millennial ag and why I get so passionate is because agriculture has historically not wanted to talk about the tough stuff or wrestle with the uncomfortable stuff. And I think even I see in my own family and my own relationships too, it's it's still very relevant and that you find the people that will talk to you about things or are like, start, start discussing it. But if they disagree, it's like, let's just not talk about it. And I, and I want to work past that, you know, I want to work through having civil dialogue and coming to solutions and um, relevant, relevant solutions and, and confidence to, to stand up for what we believe in, but be humble enough to say when we're wrong. And it's something that um, I'm very much still working on because I really do like to be right and I'm stubborn. <laughs> um, but working on, on looking at all sides of the situation too. And I think that's one thing I am really good about. And when I start challenging something, um, it can come across that I'm either ultra conservative or ultra liberal, but I want to see the full full gamut of the spectrum you know you talk about energy just for example and some people say pipelines are bad and some people say solar and wind um are bad and you look at all sides of the spectrum and i can see and i and i have to credit this to AgPro too because we represent a wide variety of clients on all aspects of the spectrum from from neighbors to producers to pipelines to oil and gas like we we've done it all um but seeing Seeing where the neighbors are coming at and why they're coming, seeing where the producer's at, you know, why, why do we want the pipeline? Why do we want the Keystone pipeline? Or what does it have to offer? What, do, what detriment does it have to the Native Americans in that area? And why are they, you know, frustrated? Why is, um, why don't we want this? big wind farm coming here in Southern Idaho, but maybe what's some of the benefits it could have. Like we've got to look at all sides of the situation so that we can better, better root or, and defend what we truly believe to, um. but also be compassionate towards people that are, that are coming out with, with those solutions, you know, with, with those. And I, and I, I don't know, my big soapbox too is, is not dehumanizing anybody for any reason, Um, you know, including, including politicians. And I, you know, it's as much as agriculture right now disagrees with Biden, and I will be right on that train. And I disagreed with Trump, I try not to use, I, I try to say I disagree with policy, I try to say I disagree with their platform, but I try not to say derogatory or judgmental things. And I'm over a glass of wine and whiskey, you might hear something different, but like, that's, that's totally a life goal of mine is to try to say, okay, that, that policy I disagree with, but they aren't stupid because of it. You know, they're not, they're, they're still human beings with a heartbeat and a brain. Like they might work on different spectrums, but trying to define that. And, and I know that there's times I slip, um, especially out of Frustration. And when you get extremisms on, on all sides, um, you're human, I'm human. And, but anyway, that's, I think that, you know, millennial ag is, is just a platform to challenge, challenge people's thinking and challenge some of the narratives that are out there. have always been out there, um, and not just be another media sounding board, taking the clickbait and running, you know, let's dive into the the depths of it and figure out what's what's at the bottom of it you know and why why is this what is this what is sustainability or what is regenerative and how are we are we really going to meet net zero you know or do we really have enough employees in the united states for agriculture or, or is that why we have to go to or rely on immigrant labor to to fulfill, fill it you know questioning those those norms and and clickbaitness Um, And trying to, trying to understand all sides of the situation, I think is, is important to me and what gets me riled up a lot about agriculture, because I think there's a lot more diversity in ag than we all give ourselves credit for. We just don't recognize it.
0: So many things that you said in there that just, I mean, they ring true for Valley, and they ring totally true for millennial ag. And you have helped pull those threads so much throughout all of our episodes um you know and a lot of those things that you try to do you're you're a really good role model to me because I I too am guilty of thinking that someone is stupid because because of of the way that they said something or what they said or their policies but what you're saying about not dehumanizing anybody for any reason I mean hard stop on that right there like put that on a billboard in every town in America, you know, I mean, just learning how to be civil towards one another again, um, I think is is a really good idea. And the fact that you model it in your life, um, you know, can only have a positive impact on the people around you. And I mean, the things that get you riled up talking about the hard stuff in ag, which you and I have tried to directly address mental health, racism, um, ag labor, you know, the, sometimes we talk about the farm bill. Sometimes we talk about sustainability. Sometimes we do talk with politicians. You know, we've tried to run the gamut of, of figuring out what these hard conversations are. And I think we're finally drilling down to, you know, sort of what, what we want to focus on and how we want to focus on it. But getting our message out there to the ears that need to hear it is, I think, our big challenge. But I mean, the fact that you're focused on it and and that's what your intent and goals are, you know, will just help drive this this ship forward. So it's just fun to hear you talk about it because because you are passionate. I mean, yeah, you know, there's the the cliche. I grew up on a farm and I just love it, but the reason it's a cliche is because it's true, right?
1: <laughs> and it's getting, you know, it's it's getting to a point too where. I grew up in ag and I loved it, but how do we keep it going too? Because we are, I mean, the agriculture producers are a dwindling number. You know, it's, statistics have shown that. And so how do we keep, and we see it in our area too. Like John and I are probably some of the youngest producers. Um, And he's, I mean, he's on the farm day to day. Um, and, and the people surrounding him and the people he's dealing with are his parents or grandparents age, you know, those are the, those are the people that are, that are still in business or have, um, are, are farming those areas. And so it's, it is true, like it is true that the average age is higher and there's, there's a few kids coming back, but it's not, it's not like it was when our parents came back to the operation, you know, and. And you get, there's a lot more opportunities in the world too. You know, like there's, there's tech jobs, there's trap, you can travel more, you know, you, there's things that you can do if you're not tied to, tied to the farm or land. Um, but there's also a lot of beauty that's missed when, when you can't come back either in it. And so it's, you know, it's figuring out how to balance, balance all that too. 100%.
0: Absolutely. I mean, my plan was always to go back to my family's farm. Um, and, you know, life certainly threw a couple curveballs, but it also threw some opportunities our way that we didn't think that we could pass up. Um, and we're lucky enough to come from a family where, you know, they're disappointed that we haven't come home yet, but they also aren't going to shame us for not coming home because there are so many opportunities like you talked about. Mm-hmm. And another thing that you said, you and John are some of the youngest producers around there. Um, you know, it's not the same as when our parents came back or started their own operations. I was talking to my mom the other day and you know, I was feeling overwhelmed with work and family life and you know, starting on some personal projects that um that I'm trying to launch here. And I said, How did you do it? You had three kids, you got up at three o'clock in the morning to milk cows and you staggered home at nine o'clock at night. You know, how did you do it? And she said, Well, it was a different time. You know, we weren't attached to our phones. You know, if we didn't want to answer the phone or we couldn't hear it, we didn't answer it. The way you communicated was by a phone attached to the wall or by letter. You know, we didn't have text messages and we weren't so attuned to everything going on in the world. Um, and, you know, she said too, look at like there's plenty of oppor- opportunity for production ag to take place. But she said, look at all the barriers that there are now. I mean, unless you have a fairy godmother, one hell of an inheritance, you can't get started in ag all by yourself. Mm. Um, she said, you know, we we took out high interest loans because it was the 80s, but the banks were willing to take a risk on us. And it's paid off for the banks and for us. But she said, conversations with bankers today, they don't dare take that risk. And I mean, just the cost of production, buying your inputs. And getting your your product to market, where everything is so, um, what do you call that? Vertically integrated. Mm. You know, she, I mean, she she was saying that that she's not sure that the same opportunities that she and my dad have or your parents had exist today for people who want to come back to ag. And it was humbling to hear that because here I was thinking I'm not as tough as my parents, or I don't work as hard as my parents, not as resilient as my parents. And it's a different situation. And it's a different, different timeline. And I mean, it sounds like not to take over your episode, but <laughs> it, I mean, I think that what you're saying rings true. And what my mom had to say is true. You know, it was, it was just a different time and you're, you're out there killing it. You're doing production ag and you have a, a not that production ag isn't a professional career, but you have, you know, you have a, a support industry professional career too. And I I think you're one of the lucky ones, no matter how many times you have to go out in the night to save a baby calf, but
1: <laughs> no. And it, it's, it's pretty, that's what I was reflecting on the other day too. You know, the fact John comes home every night and he's tired, but he goes, I have one of the best jobs in the world. Like he is living production ag day in and day out and gets to be, gets to watch his alfalfa grow, gets to watch the babies be born gets to see the miracle of life day in and day out and, and experience it, you know, and, um, and it's, it's pretty remarkable to be able to be a part of that too, you know, being able to, to have it so that he gets to do what he loves as well and be on the land 365 days a year. And maybe not quite that much, but, um, you know, work, work, work for himself and work in a place, you know, it's, you talk about, you know your parents opportunities and stuff and his 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 dad is first generation on on the farm so John's technically second his mom came from a ranch in Nevada um and they worked for her parents for a while and then saved up heifers um lived off a teacher salary and then moved then bought same about same time your parents did high interest loans um and took a huge risk and and um pinched pennies for a long time to build build what they have today which is incredible and they can do they can do everything themselves they don't have to rely on society for support you know they could live off the land completely if they had to um they don't want to i'm not going but they that's how how resilient they are and it's you know i think i could do it if i had to i could i could I could figure out how to grow a garden and stuff. Um, and, and being outside's great that the inside stuff is what I struggle with. You know, the, the house, the housekeeping and the house duties. And that's another humbling experience because that's, it's a role of a wife sometimes, you know, when they're out, when they're out working for 12 hours a day and you won't, your, your job is eight hours. You're the one that's got to pick up some of that slack at home. And I, I get frustrated because I'm like I would re- I want to be outside. I want to go do do something, but it's but it's stepping into that role and being being okay with it or finding ways to ask for help too because you don't you don't have to do it all and that's something else I'm trying to learn and I'm not doing it very well to be honest, but <laughs>
0: oh, please let me know. <laughs> well, you know, as always, I know we say this in most episodes, we could go on forever. Um, you and I get, get onto something and we could just roll, which is why we started the podcast part of it. Um, but in the interest of time and you getting back to your eight hour job, <laughs> and then <laughs> you've been doing your next one. Um, I think we'll, we'll wrap up for today, but um, I thank you for, for being a, an amazing friend, an amazing coworker, Um, an outstanding podcast host you know all the things that you are to everybody and before we let our listeners go for the day is there anything else that you want to share with them and think that'll just blow their socks off or remind them to take a breath
1: (laughs) i need a good bill likely quote um (laughs) no i catherine i I'm just fortunate that we, we can do this, um, together. And I look forward to interviewing you and flipping the table, um, back on you, but it's, it's super cool to have, have a friend and have a podcast, um, to, to hold our friendship accountable, um, in addition to agriculture in general. And I don't like to put, put, um, put friendship in that category, but it, it, it's nice to have our weekly, at least check-ins and plannings to, to see, see your face and see, be able to, um, dive in. And I, um, I think everybody needs a friend like that, you know, or something they're doing with somebody, um, to, to check in and then, and have, and I'm blessed to have multiple friends, but Catherine's definitely been one that's, um, you know, anything and everything we talk about and nothing, nothing personally, professionally, um, spiritually is ever, ever off the limits. And, and I've just having that, that kind of friendship to, to wrestle with life's many challenges is, is such a blessing. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think I'll end there. So
0: yeah, before we,
1: before we all end up in tears, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be like my wedding all over again, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> listeners, um we thank you so much for tuning into this episode. You know, we want to hear from you too. We want to know what what you've been listening to, what you what you like about Millennial Ag, um, what you want to hear here in the future. Um, we've got some exciting things brewing. Um, it might be take us a little time to get there with with everything going on, um, but we want to hear from you. We want to hear from um, everyone that's been listening. What do you like? What don't you like? Um, and and help us. Help us know what you're wrestling with too, because we wanna we wanna help stir the pot and um and and figure out what's truly important to agriculture and what are those those conversations that are that are needing to be had or should be had. So um let us know. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can email us at talk to us at millennialag.com Until next week, we are millennial ag